0: Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Santo. <laughs> uh, God made a way for us. He made a way for us. Hallelujah. Santo. And I'm saying Santo. Um, I will have to introduce myself. So, <laughs> um, as our brother said, my name is Maria. I'm from the Dominican Republic. So I speak Spanish. If you are Santo, it's holy. <laughs> if you are. Um, Gloria a Dios is glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> um, Let me see. Okay. Um, when I came to the UK, I was looking for a place where to have, be with my brothers and sister. We visited different churches. And I, in, I didn't feel like I was at home. So my husband, looking online, found this place. And we came here, from the first time we came, I felt what I was missing. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Because every time I leave my home, I say, God, I don't want to come back the same way I am living." And every time I come here, every time I come here, the presence of the Holy Spirit touched my life. And I can tell you, hallelujah, that you never go back the same Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hey, Santo, hallelujah. Oh, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. I feel so excited. I feel so happy. Glory be to God. Um, hallelujah. I have a little um, um, something to share here, and it's about being thankful we have to be thankful for everything. We have to be thankful. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm sure that all of us here have one, no one, no two, no three. So many things to be thankful for. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it said, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's moments in our life when we will feel like it's hard and we are like, how can I say thank you? But yes, we have to say thank you because that helps us to see that our God is in control. Hallelujah. Because he is in control. Hallelujah. He made a way for us and he will do it no matter what we're going through. Glory be to God. Psalm 136.1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Hallelujah. He is good, and his love endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, because he's good. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I read something online. It was about a man. He went to see a psychologist, and he said, "I I am so happy. I am so happy. Um, I don't feel like I want to leave. And he asked him, the the psychologist asked him, how do you come here? And he said, I came driving. Okay, so you have your car. Yes, I have my own car. Okay, who do you live with? Um, I live with my wife, with my kids. We have our own house, right? Do you have a job? Yes, yes, I have a very good job. I have a good job. Okay, do you have any health issue? No, no, no. I'm healthy. I'm fine. Okay, will you allow me to pray with you? Yes, of course. Dear Lord, I pray that you take everything from this man. Take away his wife, his kids, his house, his job, his car. Hey, hey, hey. How can you pray like that? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then he continued, and give it to John. Who is John? John is the man that was here before you, and he said that if he have the things that you have, he will be the happiest man on earth. Hallelujah. Amen. So we have many things to be thankful. We have many things to say thank you, Jesus, because he is with us. Hallelujah. And overall, we have to be thankful because Romans 8.28 said, and we know That all things work together for good. Hallelujah. To them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. And that we, that are us. All of us have been calling according to his purpose. So we have so many things to be grateful. To be thankful to our Father. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
1: Thank you. I'm Rita and I'm so grateful. Thank you for this opportunity to say what um, is good and all the time. Amen. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I'm just going to share from a verse, a, a scripture in um, Mark. Mark five twenty-four. It's a very popular scripture. We all know about it. It's a woman with the issue of blood. I'm going to read from verse 25, Mark 5, verse 25. And a woman who was there, who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and he had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his cloth I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Amen. Amen. This woman challenges me. She really challenges my life. She was unclean for 12 years, and we know the law about uncleanliness then. She was not allowed to mix. She was not allowed to touch. No one was allowed to touch her. But she ignored all that. To me, that's, that's a woman of faith. She ignored all that, and she knew, she heard Jesus was in town. She went to Jesus in desperation. She went to Jesus in faith. And this applies to us in our everyday lives. We've, we, some of us are in situations, we've been in situations for years and years and years, and nothing is happening. Maybe you are, it's, a, it's a financial debt, marriage problems, whatever it is, suffering from... Any medical conditions, and we've consulted a lot of people. We've been to our friends, we've been to our relatives, and the Bible in um, Psalms one twenty one it says, "Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth." We need to go to Jesus in desperation. We need to go to Jesus and raise our faith. If we have been spending time in our closet, say for ten minutes, let's. Press on. Let's push it. Push it to 20 minutes and press on in desperation. Go to Jesus. That's where our healing is. That's where our salvation is. That's where all our breakthroughs is. We need to go to Jesus. That's where the broken hearts are mended. Let's go to Jesus in desperation. Let's go to Jesus and say, Jesus, you've done it before. you the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You've done it for this woman. You've done it for so many people in the Bible. You can still do it for me. And I'm reminded of Jacob Jacob When he wrestled with, um, with, with God He said I'm not going to let you go I'm not going to let you go Until you bless me I'm not going to let you go. Let's go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. Let's press on until something happens. I'm sure something will happen if we press on to Jesus. Look upon Jesus. He will do it for you. He answers prayers. Amen. Amen.
2: Amen and amen. Amen. Can we just praise the Lord just for one second in this house? Can we just give him praise? God is interested in the expression of your heart. I think sometimes we can get so... um, We can look at almost like the music in of itself. But God is interested in the expression of your heart towards him. Amen. We praise you, Jesus. We honour you above everything else in this house. Thank you that you tabernacle amongst your people, Lord. That you've made a way for us oh God. We honour your very presence in this atmosphere. We thank you, Jesus, that you chose to dwell amongst man and make your home amongst us. We honour and we praise you. We make you welcome Holy Spirit in this very atmosphere. We thank you, Jesus. We honour you in this place. Thank you, God Almighty. There's no other God besides you. You're the one true God, the living God, through Jesus Christ. Thank you, God Almighty. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes a Christian life can be like, you know when you get a present, you're looking at a present, and sometimes you can be more interested in the wrapper than you are the contents. What flavor is it? It's what's inside the package that counts. Amen, come on. It's true, it's what's inside. There's so much inside this. There's so much inside this. There's so much life in this, in this gospel. We, we don't want to just look at it as an observ- observatory, observational kind of thing. We can be very good observers, can't we, in church? Or we can observe the Christian life. Come on. We should be living in that box, man, with Jesus. Amen. Not that God's boxed in, but do you understand? It's a metaphor. There's something wonderful on the inside. There's something so wonderful on the inside. Amen. I don't know about you. You're passionate about Jesus. Do you love Jesus? That's what counts. Do you love him above everything else? Amen. That's another question, isn't it? Amen. It's easy to sing the songs, isn't it? But when you see the gospel, when you understand the gospel, God empowers you to love him back. That's how it works. I can't love him on my own natural efforts, but when I see his love towards me, I can't help but love him. How can you not? He died for me. He died for you. How can you not love a God like that? He's wonderful. He's so amazing. He loves us. It's all in Jesus. It's all in Jesus. Right, We're going to go to Daniel today, Daniel chapter (laughs) 1. Amen. We're going to start there. We're going to skip through a few things, but I pray God says what he needs to say. Um, Amen. Amen. This is service. This is my service to you, to his people. Hallelujah. If preaching is about me, then there's something missing. It's about my service to God and to his people. That's how it goes. But yeah, let's go to Daniel. Right, at the very beginning of Daniel, I, I think it's a really important part of the whole book. I'm not sure if Daniel wrote it. We don't know. I don't think we know. Um... But the important part is, it shows to me the sovereignty of God. Um, alongside, I think, the story of Joseph, I think the book of Daniel and the story of Joseph show the sovereignty of God in an amazing way. I see that God is in charge and he has a plan and he's working throughout despite the wickedness of man and the schemes of the devil. And this is a very important part, I believe, of, 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 of the nature of God is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Let's start at the beginning. I'm only going to read a first verse or so. Um, But it says in chapter 1 of 1, in Daniel, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jericho, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jericho, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. So this really sets the background of the book of Daniel a little bit. Um, Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem, Judah. And he went there and he took um, a small uh, uh, group of Jewish believers. And he besieged the temple. He took some of the articles of the house of God and he took them to Babylon along with the men. So that's, that's where, that's kind of, that sets the background of really the, the book of Daniel. So we're looking, and then, and then the book kind of concentrates as we go further along. It, it gives us an outline of what's going on, and then it concentrates on these particular people, and more so a, a group of people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're going to look at them in a minute, but it also concentrates on another person called Daniel. So it gives you it gives you the background and then it kind of hones in on these particular characters. Um, so they were deported from um, Judah and they were taken to Babylon. Amen. It says the Lord, the Lord gave Joachim Je- to Nebuchadnezzar. Amen? He gave him into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. This is what the Lord did. He gave them into Nebuchadnezzar's hands. It's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? The Lord gave up the most precious things, his people and his treasures of his house, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Something that he let happen, which is a strange thing. But as we go further down, um, as we go further into this, we've got, we start to discover that, that God's plan often works inside the enemy's camp. Amen? God is not limited by location in any way. He's not limited by what we think he, how, or how we may perceive he may work. The things of God, are so, he's so sovereign in the way he works, in the way he ordains things, in the way he orders things. He's, he's so unpredictable that he's so, he's so beautiful in his unpredictability. He is completely sovereign he is completely in charge of all things. Amen? And I was challenged by this just the other day because we often have a mindset that the first thing that comes our way, we seem to kind of think, oh, where's God? Is he in charge? Where is he? But I can tell you, I had, I had a revelation of the sovereignty of God over all things. And I tell you, when you look at life through the lens of his sovereignty, everything changes about how you walk and how you live out your life. Everything. Everything. When a problem comes your way, it's not the thing that actually just tries to take you under, but it's the very thing that you think, no, but he's got it all in his hands. Therefore, I can live my life at a place of rest because I live in the knowledge of his sovereignty. Amen? To live within his sovereignty is such a powerful thing. It doesn't breed complacency, but it breeds passion and love God is a sovereign God and if we can look out of that lens of God's sovereignty whenever something comes against us we'd be different people and that's the truth we'd be different people we would walk differently we would talk differently we would act differently it changes everything amen so let's just go on we're going to go on to Daniel 3 okay let's look at Daniel 3 Alright, so just before, I'm going to read from 12 in just a moment. But Nebuchadnezzar set up this idol, and it was a golden idol. And he commanded that everyone that had listened to this music of the harps and, the, and, the, and, the, and the, the music that he would play would have to bow down before this idol and worship this idol that he made—it was a golden idol—and the Jews were there because the Jews were in a, a position of government at that point. He positioned them in places of influence, like Daniel and the, the three Jewish guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So there was in place uh, uh, there was in a position of influence alongside Nebuchadnezzar because of their special abilities. They were—he wanted wise people, young people that were capable of doing certain things. Um, so they were on his kind of staff. They were on his team. They were working for the man, for the working for Nebuchadnezzar. And um, but the Jews here, it was the Chaldeans come back with this report. And if we pick up in Daniel three twelve, it says there was a certain Jew, certain Jews. There were certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon. This is three twelve, okay, in Daniel. All right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid their regards to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Okay? This is the report that come back. And as you go on, we're not going to read all of it, that Nebuchadnezzar wasn't the happiest Happiest person as a result of this, because this was something everyone had to do. Everyone. There was no person exempt from this. This was something they had to do. They had to bow down and worship this golden image. All right? In Daniel, as we go down, Daniel 3 again, keep going down the page. We go down to 16 and we pick up. at 16, verse 16. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this was the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Because this was the threat here. That if they did not bow to this idol, they'll be chucked into the, the fiery furnace. There was, a, there was a no clause. There was, this was it. There was no escape from this command. They had to worship. And if they didn't, this would be there. This would be it for them. Okay? And he, we continue on 17, and he will deliver us from your hand. So this is what he's saying to Nebuchadnezzar. This is what they're saying. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the image of gold which you have set up. Okay? Now I just want to pause there, because these men were standing in their deep conviction to what they truly believe, okay, as Jews. They weren't to worship any other God. They weren't to bow down to any other graven image, and that goes all the way back, if you look in Exodus, when God gave the Ten Commandments um, to Moses, that that was one of the commandments. There'll be no other image. You shall worship no other image. You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only, Okay? But here you see the, the heat is on, literally. Um, so they're refusing to bow down to this idol that Nebuchadnezzar has created, okay? And I've been looking at really what we, what we, what we, how, we, how we worship and what is the true essence of worship. And I know David spoke about in Spirit and in Truth in John 14, speak? Jesus was speaking about worship, but you know what, sometimes certain things are quite hard to define. As much as we use our, our, our language, you know, our church language and stuff like that, some things it's hard to put the finger on certain things. We kind of know what it is, but what actually is true, true worship in the truest sense of the word. And, and sometimes it's easier to describe what it's not to understand what it truly is. I'll give you an example. Um, when Paul described in 1 Corinthians 13 what love wasn't, we get a bigger picture of what love actually is. He says, lo- love does not boast. Love holds no record of wrongs. Love, lo- um, love is not easily angered. So he uses these words to describe what it's not, to describe what it is. Amen. And then you think, wow, I've actually got a picture of this. I've actually got, I can understand this. That Love, love, love is patient. Love is kind. It, it doesn't, it doesn't, you give the opposite to get the, to get the reality. Amen? And it's very easy sometimes to be in a church setting. Um, and kind of, you know, we can sing, can't we, very easily the worship songs. And we can also claim, you know, we're Christians and that's great and we can bear a confession of Christ, which is wonderful. I'm not saying it's wrong, I think it's fantastic. (laughs) It's wonderful. But what we're looking at now, but what is true worship? And sometimes, you can define these things by saying what it's not. And when it said in the Old Testament that you shall have no other gods before me, you see, worship is singular it's only God. That's true worship. When you worship only God, that's true worship. Amen? Amen? It's my assistant. (laughs) Thinking, why is he doing up there with that book? (laughs) So by refusing to worship the idol they were actually truly worshipping God. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Amen? Sometimes true worship can be defined by what you don't worship. Come on. True worship can be defined by what you don't worship. You can sing the songs and we can say the praises, but if we've given ourselves to something else... Is, it, is that true worship? It, it's not along the list of things to do and the priorities of the Christian life. It's the only priority to the Christian life. It's what we don't give ourselves to determines the truth and the quality of our true worship. Come on. It's true. We can't just give ourselves to anything and all the things all the time and think it's pleasing. Amen? Amen? This is, this is not a condemning word, this is a liberating word. Come on. Sometimes, some things, it's the way you look at it. You know what I'm saying? If you love your flesh, you're not going to like this one. But if you love Jesus, you're gonna, it's going to set you free. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's how you catch the ball. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, I'm excited. We're going to go somewhere this morning, I can tell. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to set you free. So they refused to worship the idol. Amen? And sometimes the trouble comes. It's not not when you're a Christian in your workplace. You say you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus. That's fantastic. But that generally doesn't bother people too much. But the trouble often comes is when you don't join in with what the world joins in with. And you don't start to worship and look like the world and give yourself over to the things that the world has given themselves to. That's when the trouble often comes. Come on. Because then you become a threat to the darkness that surrounds you. And you become a light to the rest of the world. It's true. When you start to stand for something, like I think Alan just touched on it a little while ago, trouble comes at the door. But I'm not here to say that trouble is going to overcome you. But I'm saying sometimes trouble comes to the door when you don't do and you don't bow to the things the world wants you to bow to. Amen? But I can tell you this. There's another side of this coin. And this is the beautiful side. <laughs> I've got to tell you this dream. I had this dream a while ago. And uh, in this dream, I was in the uh, co-op. I was in the co-op and... This woman come up to me. It was a girl I used to know from years ago. And uh, she had this coin in her hand. And I was looking at the coin. And I was freaking out. I was going, oh, man, this is a disaster. What on earth's going on? This, like, what is happening here? You know. And I knew it represented a time in my life. And then she turned over the coin. And there was a head on the other side of the coin. And she said to me, in the same way God was head and Lord over your past, So it is with your future. But the problem was, I was looking at the wrong side of the coin. On the other side of that coin was a head, and the headship of God was over my life. I was just looking at the wrong side. Amen, come on, this is good. It's true. The sovereignty of God covers every aspect of your life, but sometimes you can be looking at the wrong side of the coin. Amen. You know, you can run parallels through the story of Joseph. You can run parallels. And what I mean by parallels is, it's almost like it's got a dual nature. You can look at it and think it's a catastrophe. What on earth is going on? I've been betrayed, I've chucked down a pit. I was falsely accused of this, I was falsely accused of that. You know, I'm in prison, rah, rah, rah. It's a nightmare. But God in his sovereign grace was positioning him for the greatest blessing that he would bring to his family in the future. Jacob. Amen? It was dual in nature. There was two sides of that coin. Amen? Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? Come on, God's setting you up for something. It's true. You can have the wrong perception and look at things the wrong way and then start freaking out. God's wonderful. On the other side of that coin, he's still Lord of all. Do you believe that? Is that in your heart? Is that what you're running on? There's grace in this. There's so much grace in this. It empowers you. So they refused to bow down, amen? They refused to give up that conviction. They stood firm in what they believed. They resisted the temptation to bow to that golden image. I believe this. Within worship lies your greatest strength. Because your greatest strength lies in God. Amen. I'll let that just sink in for a little bit. Within worship lies your greatest strength because in your... What did I just say? Because your greatest strength relies in God. It's when you completely give it all over to him you find out your strongest place because it's all found in him. It's all found in Jesus. It's all found in him. The problem is we go through stuff and we have stress and we have these things upon our lives is because we haven't truly given ourselves over to God. You see, they would, they're willing to face the furnace because they were true worshippers of God. They never give themselves over to the things of the world and the other things. Nothing else was on par with God's position in their heart and lives. They could face it head on. Come on, this is where their strength was. Your strength is in your worship. Because it surrenders, it's, it's singular, it's, it's him that we worship and nothing else. We set aside everything else and we worship him. Amen. That's the place where I find my greatest strength. You can stand and stare that furnace in the face. It's true. Come on. I don't want to lower the standard of truth here. I want to keep the standard of truth here so that it empowers you. It empowers you and delivers you and sets you free with truth. Amen? Amen. If I start lowering it, then i leave you where you are. I don't want to do that to you. I want to empower you because there's grace in this place. There's grace in forsaking the idols of the world because what it does, it tries to make you look like them things. And you become dictated by them and not him. Who influences our life? Jesus. Amen. Amen. Nothing else has that place. I begin to look like him now. Yeah? Is that good? I'm not conformed to any other image, no other golden image. Is this challenging for you this morning? Amen. Come on, this has set you free. You see, what you give yourself over to determines your ability to stand. It's true. What you give yourself over to. We give ourselves over to God. We can stand because we stand in Him. In Him. Hallelujah. There's so much potential, isn't there, when we stand in God. There's so much we can face when we stand in God. There's so much. See, the problem is often the... the see, the goal of the world is to try to consume you with something else other than God. To get you to bow the knee to something else. And this is, what it, this is the temptation Jesus went through, exactly the same temptation. He went through it. Um, if you look in... Um, if you look at Luke 4, just for just for a second, let's look at Luke 4. And we'll go from 5. Luke 4, 5. When you get there, say Amen with me. Amen. I'm there, so I'm... Luke 4, 5. <laughs> Bless you, Sharon. Luke 4, 5. It says here, Then the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, this is in the wilderness, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this all this authority I, I will give to you, and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomsoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And then Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Now our focus is always sometimes on, We will worship the Lord our God. But the real empowerment is in him alone. In him alone. In him alone. Amen? Amen? Now this when it's saying it is written, he's referring back to Exodus, what I spoke to earlier. Okay? But notice, whenever it speaks of worship, often, not always, often, when it speaks of worship, it follows. Service follows. You will serve him only. You will serve him alone. When you go back to Daniel, it's the same thing. We serve the Lord because out of your worship becomes your service. And whatever you worship, you will serve. It's true. You want to know who your master is? Look at the one you worship. And look at the one that's within you. Amen? Dwelling in your heart. The one you worship, you will serve. It's good. Honestly. This is a liberating message. This sets, this, this, honestly, I'm not... This, this is powerful when you get this. It's not just because I'm saying, oh, this is powerful because I want to, you know. This is, this, is, this is powerful in his, I'm telling you. In him alone. In him alone. In him alone. <coughs> Praise the Lord. So what we give ourselves over to, i.e. the Lord... determines our ability to stand. And that's against adversity and all different kinds of things. Amen. It's so easy to give a place to certain things, isn't it, in our life, you know. It's not always easy a ride as a Christian, is it? It's not always an easy ride. You know, I understand that. But... We've got to be careful what we honour and what we respect sometimes in our own heart, you see. Because sometimes you can end up honouring and respecting something that's actually doing you a lot of damage. And I've learned to disrespect the devil in a way that I don't think you should go around slandering him, but I've dishonoured him over my own life. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't give him any rightful place inside of me. This this place here is reserved for Jesus alone. Only Jesus alone. And I don't want to give myself over to anything other than him. And that's the ability to stand in Christ. Amen. So let's continue down. We'll go to down to verse nineteen. It says Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and his expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke the command that they would heat up up the furnace seven times um, more than he would usually be heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of of valor who who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then those men... Who were bound in their coats and their trousers and their turbans, and their own garments, and their uh, in their own garments, and cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound, into the midst of the the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished as he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, he said, I see, a fourth, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and one is in the form, and the fourth one is, in, is like the Son of God. And I believe that was Jesus, amen, coming in there, rescuing them. So here we go, the, the result of them not bowing to this image um, caused them to be cast into this fiery furnace. And the interesting thing about it is that God rescues people in the fire. He could have rescued them before. He could have untied them before but he chose to loose them in the middle. He chose to loose them in the fire. Not outside of the fire, but in the fire. Amen? Amen? I think that's a wonderful picture of the grace of God that is available to every single one of us in the middle of that thing you face. The grace of God does not just re- doesn't remove the issues, often it just meets you right smack bang in the middle of that thing you face. It's true, and that's what Paul said. You know, Jesus said my grace is sufficient. My power is perfected in your weakness. Because if we can if we have a wrong concept of grace that grace is some big cover up that we can just do whatever and then just, you know, glide through Christian life, we miss the whole point of why God gave us his grace. In Jesus, And listen to me. Grace is found in no one else other than Jesus Christ. Grace came in Jesus. He enabled us to love him back. Amen? And this is why it said in the, in the New Testament, Jesus said the number one commandment, New Testament now, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. With basically, Luke's translation is with everything. Love him with everything. Amen? But God by his grace, came into the middle of that thing and set them free. He set him free. He's very unorthodox sometimes, the Lord, isn't it? You can sometimes pray that the Lord will put a blanket over the furnace and think, that's my way of escape. But sometimes he just wants you to walk straight through the middle of that thing and know that you're free Regardless. Regardless. Regardless, you're free. And that's where grace dwells in the heart of of the believer. That's where grace is found. Grace is found in the middle of it all. Hallelujah. That's a wonderful thing. Amen. And this is why it's true. This, this, This whole... Liberating thing in the midst of the furnace is such a powerful revelation because we must not honor any idol in our hearts and our lives because we're foul to face the furnace if we start honoring the idol. The fact that we didn't honor the idol affects the ability to stand in the middle of the furnace. With Jesus. Amen? Come on. It's true. Because what you bow to has the capacity to consume your life. It's what you give yourself over to. But these boys, they weren't going down that road. They gave themselves up to the Lord. And they didn't bow to the idol. And they stepped right into the middle of that furnace. And they stood there. And they were freed. Amen. God's will is for you to be free. Despite the furnace you may face, despite the furnace that surrounds you. Be convinced of that. The grace of God is in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's wonderful, isn't it? It's not outside of Jesus, it's in Jesus. The grace of God's in Jesus. And no one else. And this is why he's so God is so particular in what he says and there's grace in that word only in that word only you shall worship the Lord your God serve him only only because there's only grace in Jesus amen he has that place of worship in our hearts I tell you you face anything you'll face anything because I don't honour that I don't honour that I don't lift them things up above him there's nothing before him there's nothing before him. Amen. Amen. That's your ability to stand. That's your ability to stand. Come on, let's go, come on. Amen. Come on. There's freedom in the fire. Let's go down to 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the, uh, the burning, fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the set and the administrators and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw these men on, on whom the bodies, the fire, had no power. Amen. Say no power with me. It has no power over you. Whatever you face has no power. It has no power when you honor Jesus above everything else. It has no power because you worship Him alone. Amen? Amen. It has no power. Don't give it any power. Sometimes we give things power. It could be an issue, it could, pro- could be anything. We give it power because we honor it so much. We revere that thing, what we face. But what you revere, you won't be able to walk through unless you honor Him above it. Then there's grace for it. It's true. It has no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected. And the smell of fire was not on them. I love that verse. The smell of fire. You won't even smell like the thing you face. It will not leave a horrible odour around you. I don't want to be a people of horrible odour, do you? Amen? Amen. I want to smell nice in Jesus. You know, like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on. We can smell beautiful to God. We're not smelling like ash. He wants to smell like ashes and cindering, you know, on that nasty smell. It's not for us, is it? Amen. Amen. You know, I I love this scripture. Let's go quickly. 2 Corinthians 2.14. 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Wow. Diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge. That's us. No fire, no, no cinders, but he's diffusing, he's releasing. He's releasing his very Fragrance in every place, through his knowledge, okay? For we are to God the fragrance of Christ amongst those who are being saved and amongst those who are perishing. Two scenarios, being saved and perishing. We are still the fragrance regardless. We are the fragrance. That means we smell nice in Jesus. We don't smell like ash. We smell like Jesus. We smell nice to the world. Okay? Amen. I love that verse, don't you? I think that's a wonderful verse. We smell good. Hallelujah. He is our aftershave. Thank you, Alan, for that. That's wonderful. He is our aftershave. So what was the result of this? Let's go down to 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, "Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel to deliver and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship." Interesting them two again, service and worship. Okay. They shall not serve or worship any god except their god. Any god except their god. Any god except their god. Therefore I will make a decree that that any people, nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut into pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap. (laughs) Interesting. An ash heap because there is no god who can deliver like this. Amen. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. That's amazing. So the name of God was honoured. The name of God was lifted up. What a turnaround. Incredible turnaround, isn't it? Though, From when you think about what happened in the beginning, when, when, when they took all the things of God and from the house of God and they travelled, Nebuchadnezzar, took all that stuff, it must have been like a disaster at the time. What on earth's going on? All the sacred things have come. Have come from the house of God, even taken off some of our people. Nebuchadnezzar comes on from Babylon, take take them away with me, deported them, dumped them in this ground, and then God in his divine power and his sovereignty just switches the whole thing round and honours his name right in the middle of it all. It's wonderful. Who would have ever called that at the time? Or wouldn't have done with you. It's easy to read now, we know the book. It's what it's like, isn't it, in life? We don't see the beginning and the end, but he does. Do you trust in the one who knows all things or you trust in your limitations? I can't trust in my own limitations. But I trust in him. He knows all things. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He knows all things. Why would I rely on me? But he knows. Come on. It's good, isn't it? He's so good to us. So the name of the Lord was honoured in that place through what their men went through. Because they didn't bow and they didn't give themselves to any other God. But the Lord, our God, and him alone we serve. Our service, our adoration, comes out the one we worship. Amen. Amen. Come on. You can be the very fragrance, the very release, the very aroma of God, wherever you go. When you don't bow the knee to the pressure of the world who tries to conform Try to get you to conform to its behavior, the way it looks, the way it operates. Come on, it's good. Jesus is amazing. There's so much grace in Jesus this morning. He's so amazing. Let's lift our, let's, let's just stand just for a moment, just lift our hearts to Jesus. and I believe there's been people here reflecting on what I've been saying and I've been saying it and I think this is a good time to just do some business with God in your own way in your own heart because that's where it all goes on and if you know in your heart there's been something that's come alongside of God and it's taken his place or even an equal place It's a good time just to surrender that thing. And it could be a problem. It doesn't have to be literally an idol. It could be something that you face that started to take center stage. It could be an obstacle. It could be something on the horizon. It could be an obstruction that has been affecting you so much. But I want you to come to a place where you're saying, I don't honor that thing anymore. I don't revere... I don't let it take that position that you alone should have in my life. I worship you alone. I honor you alone. And that has to come from you. It can't come from me. It has to come from you. And we just pray. Father God, I thank you that your word is so true and there's so much grace in you alone. In you alone. Lord, I just honour you, above everything, your centre. Thank you that we can forsake them things and find that grace and empowerment through you alone. Thank you for your precious grace. I pray right now, Lord, just pour out your Holy Spirit. Empower those that are struggling. Empower those that are hurting. Come and breathe afresh on your people. Release them, Lord. I pray against any condemnation in the name of Jesus. I pray that no one here would come out of here feeling bad in any way. But Lord God, you would empower. That you would empower. You would empower because you love people. And you are the truth, oh God. And there's grace that comes with your truth. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Just touch your people, Lord. In Jesus name. Release your people in Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all the saints say Amen. Amen. God bless you. Praise
3: praise the Lord. Um Henry had a motorbike accident 10 days ago. He's only 17 years old, one of Gabriel's very good friends. He grew up with Gabriel, my son. And he was also at our youth Bible study. I didn't mention that. He, after the accident, he was taken to Nicosia, and he was critical. brain there was a—he was unconscious, and he's also broken his leg in three places, and there were more, more problems. Um, the, I found out about this on Facebook. So what we did is, is we prayed. We put it onto the Glory Prayer Network. I don't know if you saw the prayer for Henry, and we prayed, and on Friday the night we are praying on Fridays here, so we prayed for him on the Friday as well. While we were praying, she sent me a message, the mother, and on the phone, and the mother said to me on the phone, um, thank you for praying, Nola, because I mentioned we're praying, the whole church is praying. Thank you for praying. He's still unconscious. There's very little hope. Praise God, two days ago, Um, she sent me a message. She said, I believe in the power of prayer. My son opened his eyes. My son remembers everything until the accident. His brain is okay. She said he was kissing her and hugging her. He couldn't talk. He had a tracheo, uh, something in his, I don't know what it's called. But he was communicating, and he's fine, and she was praising God and saying, Thank you, Lord. It's such a wonderful miracle. Ten days. Praise the Lord. And then we had another miracle. My sister phoned me um, last week, and she said, I'm going to the hospital. The manager of my restaurant, and this is another one we put onto the Glory Prayer Network. And and we prayed. Um, He is dying. He's got encephalitis. And please, uh, we're going to go and say goodbye. The priest is coming to pray for him. Um, He's 43 years old. He's got a family. And they were very upset. So we we prayed. And um, she phoned me yesterday. She said to me, they can't believe it. He's moving his fingers, he's moving his toes, he's coming back. He's not going. And she was praising God and thanking him in faith. We serve such a faithful God. And nothing is impossible with him. Amen. Praise you, Jesus.
2: Come on, Peter. Come tell us about your mum. (laughs) <laughs> similar sort of story isn't it
4: oh, yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord, that's a surprise um yeah um going back now end part of last year um September time, mum was in allship hospital, and uh they they sent her home and said, You've got two weeks she's got two weeks left um They put all the care package in place. So we was looking after her a couple of days a week, which we still are. So that tells a story already. So she went home, two weeks to go, and um, she started to improve. Um, Viv was going round there, as I said, and she was praying with her. And she was getting Mum to pray, and eventually Mum gave her life to the Lord. Hallelujah. And um, so... So then once you've given your life to the Lord the Lord enters it. So from 2 weeks we're now 6 7 months down the line and she's still there and she's switched on. Her body's not great in the movement but apart from that it is and again you I know you've been praying as well. So there's been lots of prayer going on and it's prayer is great and the Lord answers prayer. So uh, I can just encourage you to keep praying. Amen. (laughs)